What is going on, guys? Welcome back to a new episode of the Mets Legends Cast. This is Rob Pearsall, and I'll be rocking this one solo today as my partner Mike Jennings is on vacation. Mike, if you're listening, we hope you're having a great vacation. And by we, I mean me, because I love you. Uh, Today, I will be rocking this one solo, but I will be starring as former Mets catcher, one of our personal favorites. Don't know if we've recognized that before, but he's one of my personal favorites, and that'd be Henry Blanco. Um, You know, that's a lot better when Mike is here, but (laughs) I'll be starring as Henry Blanco today. Um, It's a really nice day in New York today. We got a 65-day degree. 65 degree day rather uh really nice spring-like day um and uh yesterday i was watching uh willy wonka in the chocolate factory and uh it just really had me thinking about how much of a pos grandpa joe is i mean he's laying in bed for 40 years his family's wallowing away in poverty. They get a loaf of bread, and it's like they hit the lottery. And then Charlie gets a golden ticket, and Grandpa Joe springs out of bed, no atrophy in his legs whatsoever, starts dancing. They go to the factory, nearly gets Charlie in a lot of trouble for for basically coercing him into drinking the fizzy lifting drinks. Um, just an all-around bad guy. Um, so... Just so you know that this is a anti-Grandpa Joe podcast, so uh, just want to say, Grandpa Joe, I hope you're having a terrible day. But back to the Mets. We are still in a lockout. Um, both both sides, the MLBPA and the owners, seem to be very entrenched in both of their stances. Um, I think both sides believe that they've made uh, they've made. You know they've 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 been flexible. Um, I don't necessarily think I agree uh, with the owners' side of that, um, and I think the players are willing to wait this out as long as they can. They're willing to sacrifice games this year to have better conditions going forward. Uh, as Anthony Rizzo put it, um, fans will miss you the most, um, but for the future generation of players, this is for you. And uh, this has been building up for a long time. Uh, the players know what they want and what they deserve, and they're going to wait to get that. And, and as unfortunate as it is, um, you know they believe they're do, they're doing what is right. And uh, you know I'm on the player side of this, uh, not the owners. So, but in the meantime, we'll talk about some 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 things in Mets history. Um, since we don't have any baseball to watch, no spring training, uh, we'd be in the midst of spring training right now if the season was still or if the if the if spring training had started. Um, you know, we'd be right back in the swing of things, but hence we're not. Um, so let's talk about some things that have happened this week in history. So uh, as of recording, today is Monday. Um, and uh, on this day three years ago, the Mets signed uh, one of one of our personal favorites on this podcast, uh, and that's Carlos Gomez. And uh, Carlos Gomez has such an interesting trajectory with the Mets. Um, came up 2007. Uh, as a young, rambunctious outfielder, um, promising, very promising, talented outfielder, um, and ultimately we was used essentially as a centerpiece uh, in the deal 
with the Minnesota Twins that got the Mets, Johan Santana. Um, my cat just jumped up on my dining room table because he thinks I'm talking to someone and he needs to be part of the action. So if you hear some meowing, that's him. Um, but Carlos Gomez, uh, once he got to Minnesota, performed well, but it wasn't until he became a Milwaukee brewer uh, in the early 2010s where he really came into his own, became a really big power threat at the plate. And, of course, we all know the Wilmer Flores-Carlos Gomez trade, uh, potential trade that that was nixed uh, by the Mets front office. Um, but Carlos Gomez nearly became a Met in 2015 uh, for Wilmer Flores and Zach Wheeler. Uh, obviously, the trade worked out – or the non-trade worked out for the Mets. Uh, Zach Wheeler, um, while no longer with the team, in his last couple of years as the team established himself as a top-of-the-line starter, and we all see what he's done with the Phillies. And Wilmer Flores, just the walk-off king, was so integral for that 2015 Mets team and one of the best moments in Mets history, him hitting that walk-off home run against the Nationals. Uh, you know, something I could talk about every day of the week, watch that highlight, still get teary-eyed, um, you know, seeing him grab his jersey as he he jumps into the scrum at, hold, at home play, just absolute uh, poetry. Um, so, you know, that, that was the second time, you know, that would have been the reunion uh, for Gomez with the Mets. It didn't come to fruition. Obviously, the Mets got Yoan Cespedes, who went on an absolute tear uh, upon getting him. Uh, from the from the Tigers in 2015, um, Gomez didn't have as much success with the Astros after he was traded. But this is a little interesting tidbit. I've probably mentioned this on the cast before, but there was this whole thing where there's like kind of a, a tenuous connection between Wilmer Flores not getting traded and the Astros sign stealing scandal becoming a thing. Uh, so. Had Wilmer Flores and Zach Wheeler been traded to the Brewers for Carlos Gomez, Carlos Gomez never would have been traded to the Astros. In the deal that Carlos Gomez was traded to the Astros, he was traded alongside pitcher Mike Fires, um, and the the Brewers got back the likes of Josh Hader and you know some other players. But uh, as we now know, Mike Fires was the whistleblower. Um, that really threw the, the the Astros World Series championship team under the bus for sign stealing, um, and so so there's that there's that little connection there where it's like had the Mets zigged instead of zagged, uh, who knows if the Astros would have been exposed as cheaters? I mean they they probably would have. You're not going to get away with cheating forever, but uh, it is funny that like since the Astros traded for Gomez because the Mets didn't get him, they got Mike Fires and he exposed the team. So uh, it's pretty funny there, um, but. Uh, three years ago, the Mets did finally bring Gomez back into the fold, um, and this was this was like the the original bench mob kind of um, 2019, which was really a fun season for the Mets. They had that 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 feeling, that buzz about them, kind of late summer, where it, it really felt like they re- they they might push their way back into the playoffs for the first time in four years. And uh, overall, they ended up having a really good season. Um, you know, they finished like 10 games over 500 um, missed the playoffs by three games. They had like a couple stretches throughout the season where they were just absolutely abysmal. And that, that was kind of their downfall, but really fun team. Pete Alonzo was such a great rookie year. Um, McNeil making the all-star team. Um, I was at the game with a couple of my buddies uh, 
where Todd Frazier hit that three-run home run in the ninth, and then Conforto walked it off. That was just such an amazing game. That's when it really felt like the Mets were going to go to the playoffs. It really felt like that that buzz around them, but hence they didn't. Um, but earlier on in that season, the Mets were really relying on these guys that they had brought in on minor league deals. There was a lot of them, too. I mean, Gomez was one of them for sure, and, and uh, I think – Probably his his big moment uh, that year was in I think it was May of 2019. Um, he had that game where he stole that he stole a base against the Nationals. It was the the Mets swept the Nationals in four games I believe um, at that point. But there was a, this one afternoon game. Uh, Gomez stole second. Uh, the catcher airmailed airmailed it into the outfield, and Gomez was running to third, and his shoe came off. And then he hit that home run against Wander Suero that gave the Mets the lead late in the game. And that's just such an awesome moment. Uh, Gomez was so fun. Uh, you know, everyone remembers when he would, uh, you know, his, his, his battle cry, which was, of course, yee, 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 um, which was really fun. And uh, I, was re- I was watching this video uh, earlier about how that came to be, and he was talking about how, because um, he was a AAA, Syracuse. They had a lot of veterans at Syracuse um, that year. But he was talking about how he was, he was at Syracuse and he started just saying yee, yee, yee around the clubhouse during the game when good things would happen because it was from a reggaeton song that he liked. And Dominic Smith came down and was doing a rehab assignment and uh, was playing in AAA and uh, heard Gomez do yee, yee, yee and loved it. And then when Gomez got called up, you know, Smith started doing that to him. The rest of the guys in the clubhouse were, were like, oh, what is that? That's so funny. And so they started doing it. And so uh, Gomez was just like a lighthearted guy. I mean, you could look up some of his antics on YouTube. He's just so funny. Um, there was like one time where he got hit by a pitch and he like crumbled to the ground pretending he was hurt uh, <laughs> when he was with the Rays. Like, he's just like a funny dude. Um, so I miss Carlos Gomez. He just retired, I think, a few months ago, like officially. Um, we had we had an article about it on the site if you want to check that out metslegends.com um, I talked about how Carlos Gomez's career was kind of bookended by the Mets you know finishing up as a veteran after a really great career um, and then ha- of course having started as a Met so the Mets kind of got the bookends of Carlos Gomez's career but he does have that Mets connection and it was kind of nice that it came full circle and you got to see him in a Mets uniform um, you know 12 years between stints and to see him have some moments uh, so uh, love some Carlos Gomez and I thought it was appropriate to bring it up because uh, Johan Santana's birthday is at the end of this week and of course Gomez and Santana were swapped for each other um, and the Mets really I mean at the end of the day they made out great in that deal Johan Santana was was injured you know quite a bit in his tenure with with the Mets and I think you could probably pin pin some of that on the Wilpons, you know, forcing a player to pitch through injuries or overworking them like they did so many times. Um, but you had some great moments from Santana. I mean, in 2008, his first year with the team, he was just so untouchable. He had that game on three days rest at the end of the season. You know, Shea kind of coming to a close. The Mets trying to fight their way into a playoff spot after blowing, uh, you know, blowing it for the second year in a row where they had you know a lead and you know in the standings and they just yet again blew it but Santana went out there and he just really gave the Mets a fighting chance um, and he was just so dominant um, and the, the the twins they got back uh, Carlos Gomez who like I said didn't really come into his own, own until he was with the Milwaukee Brewers 
Uh, they got Philip Humber in that deal, who went on to pitch a perfect game with the Chicago White Sox, but overall didn't really. Um, he didn't. He didn't turn into like a top of the line starter. Like uh, I think the Mets kind of projected him to be when he was a prospect with them. Uh, there, there's a funny quote. I think it was. Uh, I don't know if Willie Randolph said it or a pitching coach said it or Jerry Manuel said it. I, I can't remember. But in 2006, I believe, Mike Pelfrey and Phil Humber came to camp uh, spring training. And uh, <laughs> what did they say? They said something like one of the coach, I, I think it was Randolph. He said, Mike Pelfrey and Phil Humber have all the ingredients uh, have all the ingredients, but that doesn't mean they're going to make a delicious recipe. And like at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, it, it didn't happen. Uh, Pelfrey pitched for the Mets for a while, but was kind of a middle of the rotation guy, had some flashes of some, you know, some, some, uh, some good stuff, but he, he, he just didn't end up being a really strong starting pitcher for them. Um, but you know, he had a good career. I mean, I think if you, if you can get, if you could string together a major league career where you're a serviceable pitcher, man, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, and then also in that Twins deal, just to finish it off, uh, the Twins got Kevin Mulvey, who is a pitcher who I don't even know if he ever made it to the majors. And if he did, it was brief. And then uh, Diolis Guerra, who was still kicking around as of like a couple years ago, maybe last year. Uh, he's still been around. And he's only like 32. Like he's such a young guy, maybe 33 now. But he was so young when the Mets traded him. He was like maybe a 17 or 18-year-old kid. So, But he ended up making it to the majors and bouncing around and pitching pitching in some bullpens. I think he was with the Phillies at one point. So, um, But the Mets overall, I think you make that deal again, and, and, and they, they got the better of that deal. So uh, I thought Gomez was appropriate to bring up. Um, and then another thing that ha- that happened this week that I, I kind of wanted to talk about, and I was watching the highlight video earlier, and it's just I really, really um, implore you guys to watch this video if you've never seen it. Uh, Nineteen years ago, uh, spring training, Mets versus Dodgers. Mike Piazza is at the dish, uh, and Guillermo Moda, who later pitched for the Mets, uh, is on the mound for the Dodgers. And this isn't a spring training game, mind you. Uh, Piazza's at the dish. Guillermo Moda on the mound. The Dodgers are winning ten to one, and Moda throws at Piazza. There's an inside pitch at Piazza, and you could see Piazza start to get a little bit like upset. Him and Moda had history. A year prior, Moda did the same thing. I don't know why he hated Piazza, but he threw at Piazza the year before. So there's some history there. Um, and. Anyway, next pitch, after he almost hits Piazza, he plunks him in the shoulder. Piazza goes nuts. He charges the mound, and he's just like like seeing red. Charges at, at Moda. A couple of the fielders intercept Piazza. Guillermo Moda throws his mitt at Piazza like such like an absolute coward. Starts running, backpedaling away. Jeremy Burnett's my man. I love Jeremy Burnett's as a kid. He was so weird, but he was he had that he he was so good. 2002, I think he was one of the bright spots of that Mets team. You know, they had a bunch of they were kind of like worst team money could buy part two. Um, Will Pond Central team where they acquired all these aging veterans and tried to get pull a team together that was going to be good, but had guys that were way past their prime, like Roberto Alomar, Mo Vaughn, Roger Cedeno. But Burnett's ended up having a pretty good year for them. So I love Jeremy Burnett. And what makes this video even so like even greater 
is that the Mets are wearing maybe my favorite spring training uniforms, which are those like they're like really ugly, but there's something about them that I really like. They're the orange spring training uniforms, and they wore like these like blue hats. Um, but they weren't like the Mets typical blue. They were like a different shade of blue, but I don't know. I just really liked those hats and that those uniforms. So this, this thing is just like, it's just like such a cool video. I'll drop a link to it in the bio. You guys could check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, but anyway, Moda backpedals runs out of the runs off the, off the field. And the announcers are just like, Moda better get out of there. You know, otherwise he's going to be fearing for his safety or whatever. And, uh, the Mets were pissed. I mean, Piazza's the dude, you know, that's like, Someone throwing at Pete Alonso now or, you know, Freddie Freeman on the Braves or Mookie Betts or Mike Trout. It's like the same thing, you know, like just like the star of the team, the heart and soul of the team. And your guys are going to back you up, you know. So it's cool to see Burnett's like do that. But Piazza had a history of being thrown at. I mean, Roger Clemens, too. You, you remember that, like just, you know, hitting Piazza high and tight with the pitch, throwing a bat at him. Um, just, you know, Piazza was a target. And so Moda throwing at him piazza was pissed so i'm gonna pull up this article really quick and i want to read you guys some quotes from that uh so it's pretty interesting um so this one's from the la times uh from around that time uh it's just such a funny thing man like looking back uh and piazza was so badass guillermo moto was the worst I mean, he got suspended for steroids twice he just sucked um so this was in the sixth inning again the mets were down 10 to 1 so Piazza and Guillermo Moda both got uh, ejected from the game, obviously. They ended up getting suspensions. Um, so this was in the sixth inning. Piazza, after the, the – the, I guess after, like, the brawl on the field had cleared up, he stormed into the Dodgers' clubhouse during the seventh inning, an inning later. He goes, where's Moda? Where's Moda? Walking through the clubhouse. Once he realized Dodger reliever Guillermo Moda had left, Piazza walked out the back door, got into his car, and sped off. An inning earlier, Moda had sparked a bench-clearing brawl when he hit Piazza with a fastball on the left shoulder. Piazza, who scuffled with Moda after a similar pitch last spring, last spring, charged the mound but never quite got to Moda because three Dodgers, Adrian, Beltre, Brian, Jordan, and Larry Burns, restrained him. Had Jordan not whisked, whisked Moda away in a car minutes before Piazza entered the clubhouse, hostilities probably would have escalated. Round three could be a right around the corner. The Mets were supposed to play in Mexico City um, to play two exhibition games. Dodgers manager Jim Tracy uh, considered holding Moda back from the trip. General manager Steve Phillips for the Mets said Piazza will go. Um, Moda declined to comment. Piazza left without speaking. Art Howe, who may be my least favorite manager in my lifetime, right along with Jerry Manuel and um mickey calloway obviously thou who shouldn't not be named even though i just named him uh he's probably calloway is definitely number one art Howe, uh probably number two I, I probably i shouldn't even put them in the same categories because calloway is just a sex pest and the worst um but on field art Howe, not one of my favorite managers but he said it was a setup he tried to hit him with the first pitch it was intentional and then Jim Tracy goes it was not a setup there was nothing premeditated about it Moda pitched two innings on February 27th and two on March 6th and the thought was to pitch him for two innings for a third time this spring um, asked if Piazza said anything to him as he crossed the plate something that might have rekindled the feud Moda said no um, that was after uh, the Dodgers 13-6 to victory uh 
Sorry, uh, I got that was confusing. Moda pitched the bottom of the fifth inning of the Dodgers' 13 to six victory, and then hit a three-run home run off Mets reliever Armando Benitez in the top of the sixth. Uh, asked if Piazza said anything to him as he crossed the plate, something that might have rekindled their feud. Moda said no, um, but. Uh, Art Howe had another funny quote. He said, the guy ran like a scared rabbit when the man came after him. He can backpedal faster than I can run forward. Um, and so, yeah, it was a crazy moment, man. I mean, that's a spring training. It's like, you know, that's the spring training games are having not replacement level guys, but guys that, you know, are just trying to fight for a roster spot. You know, this and that. And Moda just clearly had a vendetta against against Piazza for whatever reason. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I mean, Piazza was a great player, you know, and uh, this was the steroid era. Uh, maybe Moda, I mean, he was suspended twice for stars. Maybe he had a little bit of roid rage. Um, but I'm always going to defend Piazza. He's my favorite man of all time. But, uh, yeah, so those are just a couple crazy things that have happened. I definitely implore you guys to watch the video. It's nuts. Um, and it's just, like, crazy that this happened in a spring game. Uh, it was 19 years ago today. Um, but before I let you guys go, before I get going, thank you so much for listening. Um, we'll be back with Mike when he gets back from vacation next week. I'll be back with another episode later this week. Um, but I appreciate you supporting me even when it's just me, myself, <laughs> when it's just myself, when it's just myself recording these. Um, I'm going to remind, I'm going to remember a guy myself, um, you know, since this is the Mets Legends podcast, um, and of course, I gotta, I gotta remember Brooks Pounders, uh, just the ultimate Mets legend, great name, um, so forgettable yet so unforgettable. So, uh, yeah, that'll wrap up the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Have a good night. <laughs>